Only when we are cognizant, think about this, about death, will we think wisely about this life and take the gospel to the nations. Only when we realize that our lives are vapor and we're here for a moment and then we vanish, only when we understand the brevity of life will we live wisely and then take the gospel to the nations. You and I, whether we want to admit it or not this morning, only have so many days on planet earth to live. We should make every day count. It's so easy to get things turned upside down when we live as though this is our final home. Many people will be in for the shock of their lives when they stand before the great white throne judgment one day and Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. We are responsible to live wisely and share the gospel that has been so freely given to us. And when we do, we live each day differently. Let me explain. It's a passion of mine and I have to keep reminding myself of it because I can't not continue to do it unless I pray. But recently our younger son Isaiah was selling his Jeep and it was in our driveway at home and so I put a sign in the the front yard with his Jeep in it and he's down at Grace College and so I received a call, someone called me and said I'd like to buy the Jeep and so I had a conversation and over the phone, sold the Jeep over the phone to this individual which is, praise God, uh, pretty incredible and he told me that he would bring the money the following Thursday if I would hold it. I said, sure, I would do that. Got his name and information and he was supposed to come on Thursday and bring money. Thursday rolls around and he was supposed to be there at three o'clock. So I texted him and said, hey, I just checking to see if you're still coming, Don. And I have the vehicle here and he says, oh, you never believe what happened. He said, I have some problems with my heart last night and I ended up going to the hospital. I haven't been able to get to my phone. He texted me back later um, than the three o'clock and he said, um, I, I still want the Jeep. Is it possible for me to still have the Jeep? And I said, y- y- yes, it is, Don. It, it sure is. Um, I'll hold the Jeep for you. I said, I- I've walked that journey. Um, I know what it's like and it's, it, you have no control over it. So he said, I'll be back the, on Tuesday night uh, to pick up the Jeep and bring money. I said, okay, hey, and by the way, I'm praying for you. Um, I know what it's like to walk that journey with heart issues. And, uh, and so Tuesday rolls around and I'm waiting for him again. And it's Tuesday and he's supposed to be there at a certain time and he doesn't show up. So I'm beginning to wonder, is this guy just giving me the, the ride act or something here? And, and so I texted him later and said, hey, I'm just checking. He said, you will not believe. He said, I had a problem with my heart. They rushed me to the hospital and uh, he said, um, I, I have to be in the hospital for two or three days now and uh, I won't be able to get there. I'm not even certain when I will make it and I'm just, I, I know this is asking a lot, but can you, can you keep the Jeep until I get out? And I responded back, absolutely, Don. I said, your life is more important and I said, even a relationship with people is more important. I, I'll keep it for you. Just let me know when you get out. And so I received a text from him, he, he, he was in and he has congestive heart failure, he had a, a bypass done at one time and now they got him on a life vest and he says, hey, I'll be there Saturday. 
uh, this Saturday. Meanwhile, I'm thinking behind all this, this is a great opportunity to share gospel with a man I don't even know. He's thinking about death and he's thinking about the brevity of life and so I began to get really excited and thinking God is teeing this up um, and, and for me to share the gospel with this man who's so close to death. And so I began praying, my wife was praying and I had some other people praying and I was excited and finally he showed up on Saturday, had a life vest on and some kind of contraption on his side and, and, and he came and, and I looked at him and I said, hey, and I saw him point, I said, hey Don, I'm Jim, good to meet you. I said, man, I bet you've been thinking about death a lot, haven't you? <laughs> He's like, that's your first question. <laughs> yeah, that's my first question. And, uh, and, and he said, yeah, I have. And I said, well, what's your plan for the other side? And he said, well, I hope to meet God there. And I, and I said, um, yeah, uh, I plan to meet God there. I said, but what's your plan to get to God? He said, well, um, I hope that it's um, having a relationship with Jesus. I said, you hope that? I said, well, can I share with you? And I explained the gospel to him and shared my, my testimony. And I said, so do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I, I said, that's the only way. He said, I do. And a part of me was like, stank, he's already saved. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my first thought. Like, man, God, you teed it up so good. It's like I'm just 300-yard drive right down the middle and, you know, and just celebrate right here in my driveway. And I said, praise God. And I shook out my hand and I said, you're my brother. And I looked at him and I said, no matter what happens with your heart, know that there's a new heart one day <laughs> and you'll spend eternity with Jesus. It's when we live with the brevity of life in mind, it causes us to share the gospel with the nation. There was a man that lived 2,000 years ago that was asking this very question. Jesus, how do I get to heaven? His response is very similar to many in our world. Grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18 and we're gonna read verses 18 to 22. Luke chapter 18 and we're gonna read verses 18 to 22. Would you stand with me as we read it together? Luke chapter 18 and verses 18 to 22. Would you read it out loud with me? Please stand. Ready, read. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. You may have a seat. Here's what I know from this story right now. This is what I know so far. We can accomplish and possess all the right things and still lack the thing that matters the most. You and I can accomplish great things, good things, right things, noble things, and still lack the thing that we need the most to enter heaven. The question every human being must wrestle with is asked by this rich young ruler. Have you ever had someone say, well then, how do I get to heaven? How do I get there? How do I have eternal life? 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Sometimes it's, it's not just the question that's asked, it's the question that's not asked that's just as important. And so for me, when I read this, why is he asking this question in the first place? He has everything. Because there must have been something happening in his heart that left him empty. There must have been something that was, that was going on inside that was saying, even though I've done all this, even though I've accomplished all this, even though I have all these possessions, there is still something lacking in my life. Or since I've done all this, there must be a way for me to do more to get into heaven. Plus, there was something inside of him that was screaming, you haven't have what you need. Every man and woman is longing to know the answer. And every man or woman has a longing inside of them that needs to be filled and it can only be filled by Jesus Christ. I find it interesting that after, read a quote this week, that after Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, Tom Brady, we, everyone knows who Tom Brady is if you're a sports fan, was asked the question after just winning the third one. And after winning the third Super Bowl, he was asked by Steve Croft this question in an interview on 60 Minutes. The question went this way. Steve Croft says, this whole upward trajectory, what have you learned about yourself, Tom Brady? Like, everything's going up. Everything's good. Like, you, you just keep winning. What have you learned about yourself, Tom Brady, was the question that was asked on 60 Minutes. This is Tom Brady's response to that. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, he said, God, it's gotta be more than this. And what else is there for me, Brady said. Croft asked, what's the answer? Brady smiled for a moment, then his smile faded and said, I wish I knew, he said, I wish I knew. At the top of his game, after winning a Super Bowl, he said, I wish I knew. Another of our generation's greatest philosophical minds, comedian Jim Carrey, said this. When asked the question, he said, I think everyone and everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And Jesus said to this rich young ruler, Look again, look, look what he says. Look what he says in verse 19. Why do you call me good? No one is good. And he goes through the list of the commandments. And the rich young ruler says in verse 21, what's he say? All these I've kept since I was a boy. Like I've done enough. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack what? What's your Bible say? One thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Here's what he said. Sell, give, follow. Sell it all, give it away, 
and then follow me. And the rich young ruler, are you kidding me? I earned all this. Like, I was a good entrepreneur. I used Dave Ramsey's principles. I got all that. And you're telling me just to throw it all away and give it away? Yeah, yeah Jesus said, sell it all, give it all away, and follow me. Isn't that the gospel in a nutshell? It's not about you and me. It's about taking the good news to others. Listen, listen to me. With our resources and our talents and our lives. You see, when it comes to getting to heaven, it's not what you got that counts, it's what you lack that counts. We don't have anything that we can offer. And this rich young ruler, like he, he had an entrepreneurial mind. He was bright, good businessman, and praise God for that. We have bright, good businessmen in our world. But the truth is this, is that he thought that somehow he could chart out a plan, he could, put, put, he could buy this and invest that, and he could do more, do more, do more, do more. Just tell me what I need to do. I've done all this, and I got all this. Now tell me what I need to do now, Jesus, and I'll do it. The man thought he was good enough. By the way, not only was he rich, but he thought too highly of himself that somehow he could earn his way to heaven. The choice was his life. Jesus said, sell, give, follow. Or it was going to count for nothing for him. But this man was sad because he didn't want to give up all that he had earned and probably in a just way. He wanted more, more, more. You and I must forsake everything and follow Jesus to be saved. Did, did, did you hear me? We must forsake it all to follow Jesus. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And this rich young ruler just didn't compute in his mind. In order to follow Jesus, we must surrender, listen to me, the right to determine the course and direction of our lives. That's following Jesus. It's not like, well, this is my plan for Thanksgiving. This is my plan for Christmas. This is my plan for my business. This is my plan for this year. This is my plan. Jesus, here's my plans. Now, I'll do these, Jesus. Now, bless it. No, following Jesus means I am willing to forsake and give up the direction of what I want for my life and let Jesus determine the direction of our lives. That's a sold-out believer. It can become increasingly more difficult as we age because we can become more settled in our ways and it can become even more difficult for those that have worked hard to earn their way to financial freedom and guess what? This rich young ruler did too. But wait a minute, I did everything I was supposed to. I was ethical, I invested, and I did all these things. And, and so this rich young ruler is saying, I've done all the right stuff. And now you're telling me I need to give it away, sell it, and follow you? You see, we have to be careful because we can get to a point where we think we are no longer indebted to anyone. Please hear me out. Every Christian, no matter how financially secure they may be, is still in debt. How's that happen, Pastor Jim? 
How can we still be in debt when everything's paid off and I have money in the bank? How can we still be in debt? Well, let's just see what Paul said about that. Turn to Romans chapter one. Turn over to Romans chapter one. Please turn there and look at verses 14 to 15 of Romans chapter one. Romans one and verse 14, Paul says, I am obligated. A lot of translations have I am indebted or I am in debt to both the Greeks and the non-Greeks both to the wise and the foolish. Paul says, that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. The word debt, he's saying, Paul says, I am in debt to people I don't even know. There's two ways you and I can be in debt. Now, think, hold on for a second and process. We know the first one. The first one is, you have borrowed something from someone, hear me out, you have borrowed someone and you owe back to them. The second way you can be in debt is because someone gave you something to share with others and you haven't shared it. Process that for a second and think about that truth. We have been given the gospel from Jesus Christ. We have been given eternal life and we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. And the moment we keep it to ourselves, we are saying it's ours and it shouldn't be shared with anyone else. We are in debt, like Paul says to the Greeks and the non-Greeks and the Jews and the non-Jews to share the gospel because we have been given something that wasn't supposed to stop with us. Can I get an amen? But do you believe that? Do you live as though you're in debt? Wake up every day and say, I gotta give this away. It wasn't supposed to stop with me. Who is the last person you shared the gospel with? Not just did a good deed, shared the gospel. We have been given something that we're supposed to keep sharing. We were never meant to hoard the gospel. It's given to us to give away. All of us have enjoyed the benefits and realities of it long enough. Paul knew this better than anyone. <laughs> he was there at the murders of many Christians. He didn't deserve a chance to receive the gospel in his mind, but God's grace covers all our sins. Charles Spurgeon a professor and preacher of the past, was asked by one of his students this question. Just listen to this question. Whether those who had never heard about Jesus could be saved. Have you ever asked that question? Anybody ever ask you, what about that guy on that remote island somewhere that has never heard the gospel? What about him? And so there was this bright student, Dr. Spurgeon. What about those who have never heard? A troubling question indeed, Spurgeon replied. But then he said this, listen to this. But even more troubling was whether we who knew the gospel and were doing nothing to bring it to the lost could be saved. Did, did you hear that? Let's listen to this again. He says, but even more troubling was whether we who knew the gospel and were doing nothing to bring it to the lost could be saved. Like, if you're not sharing it, you better ask the question, are you saved? 
Verse 23 to 25 is after the rich man heard this, look at his response. When he heard this, he became very what? What's your Bible say? Come on, help me out, help me out. What's it say? Look down, what's it say? Came very sad. Because he was very what? What's it say? Wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And by the way, I believe this is a literal needle and I believe this is a literal camel. I don't believe it's some gate in Jerusalem. Jesus is saying, it's easier for a camel to get through a needle than for a rich man. In other words, it's very, very, very difficult. He became very sad. His reason for living didn't line up with this kind of teaching and this rich interpret or entrepreneur knew it. Why? Because too many people live life on earth as if this is all there is. Let me just pause and speak to my brothers and sisters, those of us who know Jesus Christ and are watching online. Do you live as though God is sovereignly in control? How are you responding to the elections? How are you responding to COVID? Are your responses pointing people to Jesus Christ? (laughs) Are you finding that you're depending more on a political leader than you are on Jesus Christ? Do you realize 2,000 years ago that, 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 that the Jews were looking for a political leader and they rejected the Messiah? Don't do the same thing. We should live our lives for our heavenly address and not just the earthly one. If we want to make today count, then we need to daily remind ourselves that this is not our home. By the way, the story shifts here and sometimes that gets lost. Like we still think that the rich young ruler is speaking, but watch what happens in this story. Watch what happens to Jesus. It shifts in a whole nother direction and it shifts to the people that are standing near Jesus because there must have been a crowd around him as he was addressing this rich young ruler. And then it says in verse 26, those who heard this ask, who then can be saved? Why, why do you think they asked that question, by the way? Here, I'll tell you why. Because during this time, and all, we gotta be careful because even in our world, if you were wealthy and you had a lot of possessions during this time, then it was easy, even custom would say, then the blessing of God and favor must be on that person's life because they have all this wealth. We have to be very careful because I know many unsaved people who don't have wealth and I know many saved people who have nothing but they are rejoicing in the Lord. And so they're looking, these people saying then, if he can't make it, he's got the favor of God on his life. Jesus, don't you see what he has? He worked hard for that Jesus. He worked 70 hours a week. If he can't make it, then what chance do we have? That was what the people Surrounding him, we're asking, look at Jesus' response in verse 27. What is impossible with man is what? Possible with God. He reminded them that we must be careful to not love 
at the expense of loving him more. He was saying, don't love this so much that you don't love me more. And he was saying, live for the right homeland. I just want to ask a question today. I really want you to think about this this afternoon because this answer will determine where you really stand with Jesus. What is your reason to want to stay alive right now? What is your reason? Come on, write it down. Discuss it with your spouses or your moms and dads and brothers and sisters or friends. What is your reason to want to be alive today? Like, why are some freaking out over COVID? And wanting to stay alive. Why? For what? Why, why do you want to stay alive? In all seriousness, why do you want to stay alive? What is the reason you get up every day and say, I want to live today, Jesus. I want to, I want to make it to Thanksgiving so I spend time with family. I want to have sex and get married or get married and have sex, I should say. I used to say that. That was my prayer. Jesus, I want to get married. Don't come, rapture, don't come till I get married and have sex. Being a little vulnerable this morning. And you've all thought that thought, I know it. It's got some of you in trouble. But what is your reason to be alive? Here, here's my reason. Because I am indebted to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there is a world that will go to hell if they don't hear the good news. That's why. I don't want to just keep living life here and accomplishing and, and being like the rich young ruler and keep adding stuff in possession. If I am not living my life on mission, then my life is worthless. Did you hear me? Worthless. Worthless. God can save those that are far from him. This ruler lived as though his life would go on forever. And he would die going to hell. Isn't that why the psalmist said in Psalm 90, 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, God... Don't let me keep repeating the same thing day after day. Don't let me be a Christian for 90 years and 70 years and 30 years and 10 months and six weeks and keep doing the same thing over and over and not maturing in the progressive sanctification journey. And hopefully at some point in this progressive sanctification journey, we realize this is why we are here. We're here to share this beautiful, glorious message of Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world and if we trust in him, the world will be saved. That's why we're here. If you're living for any other reason, throw it away. It's not worth it. You see, thinking about the reality of death helps us to gain the right perspective on life. By the way, Satan doesn't want us to think on the brevity of life. He doesn't want us to think about death. 
He's been trying to divert our attention about death since Genesis 3. Have you realized that? Look back at Genesis chapter 3. Turn back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, look what Satan tried to do right from the beginning. Look at the original lie that was whispered to Eve. Genesis 3 says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Look at Satan's response. You will not what? What's your Bible say? Certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. The original lie that was whispered to Eve was, you will not die, you will not surely die. This is the first discussion outside of Eve hearing from God on death in the Bible and Satan wants Eve to believe that she will live forever, so eat, drink, and be merry. The decisions you make here in the garden have no impact on your eternity and the enemy has been distracting us in the same way and some of you are still listening to the whisper. You won't die today. You got another good 20 years, Guffey. Jim Brown, you're healthy. You're gonna live forever. You're gonna gum people to Jesus when you're 93. We don't know. I could die preaching this message and it's a good one to preach, believe me. Satan tries to convince us to live oblivious to how close the reality of death is. One of the great philosophers of the past shared this reality about death. Listen to this French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, talk about death. Listen to that. He said, he describes, he says, our lives are like a giant party, Pascal said, full of happy people, loud music and dancing during which a monster unexpectedly bursts through the doors, grabs a random party goer, mauls them in front of everyone, and drags their bloody corpse out of the room. Everyone watches in horror, Pascal says, and after it's over, stares at each other in stunned silence for a few moments. But then, the band kicks back up, and everyone returns to their frivolous activities, putting the horrendous display out of their minds. Pascal says, this horror is repeated every few moments until it becomes apparent that the monster is eventually coming for everyone in the room. Yet the party still goes on. The monster, Pascal says, is our impending death and our preferred way of dealing with it. It is distraction. Turn up the music. And since Genesis 3, when Satan whispered to Eve, you 
won't surely die. You will live forever. Don't worry about death. You got the rest of your life. And the enemy has been whispering it to you too. You've still got time to share with your mama. You've still got time to share with your son. You've still got time to share with the coworker. You've still got time to share. Do it tomorrow. And before you know it, that person dies. Never to hear the gospel because you didn't share. You hoarded the gospel. You are in debt. I am in debt to this world because we have been given something so good that it's not meant to stop with us. It's meant to be shared. Okay, that was the people's response. Now it shifts. Like you have the rich young ruler and the crowd is like, and now Peter, I love love Pete. Like the disciples were with him too. So Peter pipes in. Look what Peter says. Verse 28, after hearing this, Peter said to him, we have all left. All we had to follow you. Don't you just love Pete? Like I did it. I know what it means to leave my family. Like, like I left the fishing charter business on the, on the, the, on the Sea of Galilee. I, I, I threw my Pete's Bubba Gump restaurant away. I'm here, Jesus. Jesus replied to Pete, to the people, and even the rich man this in verse 29. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus reminds you and me and us, listen to me, listen to me, that it's good to forsake and leave family for the sake of the gospel. Because you will, and I will be rewarded in this age, he says, and the age to come. The Bible is loaded with these kinds of people who left everything, their families, all that they knew, to move to another area to share the gospel. And they were richly rewarded in this lifetime and the lifetime to come. The truth is this. We will have all of eternity spending to enjoy the blessings of family. Please hear me out. Some of us, all we're concerned about is the next time with our family. Let's go, on a, let's go on another trip together. Let's spend time together. Oh, I gotta put this, oh, Thanksgiving, all oh, Christmas. I gotta spend time with my family, family, family. Listen, there is family out there that needs to hear the gospel. It's worth it, Jesus says, to leave your family 
It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. I was reminded this week again how it's worth it when I received a photo of my mom and she's not doing good. But I know she knows Jesus Christ as her Savior. And when we left Hagerstown, Maryland in tears, weeping, my mom said, Jim, Jimmy, you are doing what God says we all should do. And my mom is laying in the bed because she can't walk anymore. And, we, and my siblings can't even get into the room to console her. And she's on her last days. But here's what I know. It is worth it. It is worth it to follow Jesus. And this rich young ruler didn't understand this. Because as best as he knew, and was this worth it to just keep adding more? Just a side note in this story. We hear nothing from the rich man after this. Jesus told him how hard it would be to be saved, and he says nothing to Peter's response or Jesus' closing comments. Yet we must assume he chose the world and its nothingness, nothingness over an eternity with Jesus because he wanted his stuff. And as best as we know from scripture, his last breath on earth ushered him into the pit of hell. And let me tell me, that bothers me. That should bother you too. You got friends in school that are going to hell. You got teammates that are going to hell and you've never told them about Jesus Christ. That should bother you. So what does this mean to you and me? Every two seconds, someone dies and will not have a second chance. If we don't tell them about Jesus, then who will? Listen to me. We are the only plan left to tell the world about Jesus. Listen to me. Old Testament prophets, priests, kings, New Testament disciples, and Jesus himself was here. Listen, Jesus ascended to heaven, and when he left, before he left in Acts 1, he said, go and make disciples, Matthew 28, go and make disciples to the othermost parts of the world. Listen, we are the plan. You 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 are the plan. If we don't tell them, then who will? See, we got to wrap our heads around this. Death is just a brief stop for something better called heaven for believers. By the way, there's so much talk in our world in Christian circles. I need to find the will of God. Make sure you find the will of God. Let me, I got news for you. The will of God's never been lost. It's never been lost. It still remains the same. How do you know? Well, turn to 2 Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three, just take a look. The will of God has never been lost. This is God's will for you and for me. Why? Because this is his heartbeat. Second Peter 3.9 says this. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to what? Perish, but everyone to come to what? Repentance. That's the will of God. God wants every person to hear the gospel. God wants you as the plan, me as the plan to share. God knows that we are in debt because we've been given something that's so good. If we don't share, then the world goes to hell. And if that doesn't bother you at all, then you need to recheck your heart to see if you even know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jude tried to put it into words. I like Jude. Just one chapter and boy, he punches you right in the mouth with this. He says in Jude 1, 22 to 23, be merciful for those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. <laughs> like, boy, I understand that. I like fires. <laughs> Go snatch them from the fire or they're gonna end up in hell. The reason we are here is to seek and save the lost. That's God's will for your life. Hear me out, that's it, that's it. You wanna know what God's will is? It's not loss. Seek and save lost people like he did. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how will they know unless a messenger is sent and how will they hear unless someone speaks? Who are you actively praying for and reaching out to? How many people will stand at the beam of seat and say, I am grateful for that person who shared the good news of Jesus with me? The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. J.D. Greer said this, and he's a pastor in North Carolina, and in a book that I read recently, he said this, and it's one of the most convicting statements that I have read probably in my lifetime. And I want you to pause, look up, and listen. This is what J.D. Greer said in regards to the gospel. He said, it's rare even today to find an American citizen who knows virtually nothing about Jesus. But that was Rhonda. Rhonda grew up in New England. I shared my testimony with her and she asked me questions ranging from the sincere to the sarcastic. So I started with the basics of who God was and why Jesus had come and why we could only be saved through him. But then she asked me something I wasn't expecting. This is so convicting. You actually believe this, she asked. JD said, well, yes. She replied, but you don't act like you believe it. She went on, if I believe what you say you believe, that everyone in my life who didn't know Jesus was separated from God's love and headed to an eternity in hell, I'm not sure how I could make it through the day. I would constantly be on my knees pleading with people to listen. But you, she said, you just act like you're trying to win a debate with me. Trying to demonstrate that your way of looking at the world is superior to mine. Not that we are talking about matters of eternal life and death. 
J.D. said, I'm not sure I've ever felt so dumbstruck. I knew she was right. And I wasn't sure how to respond. How is it possible to believe the gospel and not be crushed with a sense of urgency? How is it? Have we become so distracted by the enemy that it's all about us and collecting and family and our calendars and like why do we even want to live? Why do you want to keep living? If it's not to share the gospel, then Jesus, take us home. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. If you aren't fishing, you aren't following Jesus. We are so enamored with our own stuff. How much your time is consumed? Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Fix this, Jesus, fix that, Jesus, and the world is going to hell. When you and I are cognizant of death, we think wisely about life. And we take the gospel to the nations. A poem was written and it's, it needs to be repeated. And may God use this poem to convict us. It's called, My Friend. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory but never did you tell me the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led the way to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me things that's true, I called you friend and trusted you. But now I learn when it's too late. You could have saved me from this fate. We walked and talked by dawn and night. And yet you showed me not his light. You let me live and love and die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. And yet, on coming to the end, I cannot call you my friend. Oh, God, break our hearts for lost people. What has happened to us? We are so freaking scared about things in this world and we're missing the truth that people will die without the gospel. We are the plan. You are the plan.
we are indebted because we have been given something so good and it's not meant to stop with us. Hear me. Let me take Pastor Jim hat off. Like, I'm a dad. I'm the husband of Anne Catherine Bortner Brown. I'm the daddy of Joshua James and Hannah Catherine and Isaiah Jacob and the father-in-law of Johnny. Let me speak to you as a friend. I don't want you to stand in front of Jesus one day and say, my friend never told me about Jesus. Listen, if you don't know and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, please hear me. If you don't have that moment where you confessed your sins and believed on the work of Jesus on the cross and trusted in the free gift of salvation only, please do it now. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. You could die today and it will be too late. Please, trust in Jesus. That's all you need is Jesus. Because you could spend eternity with him. Would you pray with me? Please don't leave. This is too important. If you're uncertain that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're online, like, don't get up. Just, just, just hold tight. If you don't know that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then hear me out. You can know today. We are sinners that are separated from God. And the only way we can get to God is through the perfect sacrifice, Jesus. So pray with me if you want to trust in Jesus. Dear God, just pray, just quiet. I'm a sinner. Far from you. I am separated from God. Please forgive me of my sins. I trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. I accept this free gift called salvation. All I have to offer is nothing. All I can offer you, Jesus, is my sin. Save me, Jesus, and I will follow you all of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If that was you, and you're online, would you just write in the comments to Pastor Tannen, like, today was the day. And if you were in this room or in the other auditoriums, would you do something for me? Just, I just, I, I just want to rejoice. Would you just hold your hand up? Say, today, Pastor Tannen's day. I trust in Jesus. Just hold it up. Don't be afraid. Just, just raise it high. Thank you, Lord. Keep it up so I can see it. Thank you. Praise God. Jesus, I can go home today. I'm ready. Be a good day to go. And to the rest of you, please, don't let anything or any possession or accomplishment get in the way of sharing Christ with the world. God 
relight our fire. Holy Spirit, give us a holy boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And may the world be one to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.